0: Hi, it's Rev. Kurt Condra at Unity on the North Shore in Evanston, Illinois. Unity offers positive, practical, and progressive teachings that support spiritual evolution and abundant living. You can join us for our weekly Sunday service at 1030 in these days of sequestering. It's by Zoom, Uh, so please visit our website at www.unityns.org and register for the Zoom link. If you missed the service, you can also see the video version of our Sunday lessons on our YouTube channel, Unity North Shore. Again, visit us at our website, www.unityns.org, to see the many ways in which we're creating connection in this time of physical distancing. God bless. So I have to say... um... It's kind of marvelous being here, and uh, I feel like Bobby's singing a solo to me. Uh, and I, I'm really excited that this will be the last week that that's the case. Starting next week, there will be people here. You will be able to join us and, uh, and feel the wonderful energy that, that Bobby brings so beautifully. So thank you, Bobby. And please, um, uh, as you feel comfortable, uh, join us next week in the sanctuary for the first time. We're really excited about that. It's interesting, this being the last time that we're going to be sort of in an empty sanctuary, except for the team that sort of pulls us together. And uh, thank you, Lynn. We have a guest who thought we opened today. So we have one person on, on the one side of the sanctuary to kind of test drive our live services. Thanks for being here, Lynn. Um, and it's, it just speaks kind of wonderfully to this notion that um, we've been moving through a really challenging time for over the last year, and it's coming to an end. I, I hear that Governor Pritzker may be considering moving us to stage five, which means that we're reopening um, fully businesses. I understand there will be some um, health and safety precautions that may be permanent, but for in large part, we're coming to a time when we can kind of look back over this last year. And Reverend Christina and I were talking about, and Kate Jordan was involved in the conversation too, about maybe this is a really good time for us to kind of step back a little bit and look over the last year and start to give some real um, thought and intention around what are the lessons that this pandemic may have taught us. You know, in Unity, our first basic principle is that there is one presence in power and it's a power of good. Um, and that, that can be a challenging truth to hold to when we're in the midst of loss and tragedy as much as we have been over those last year, and yet, what we know to be true is that even in those situations that might seem dark or might seem lonely or might seem filled with conflict, right? Even in those situations, there are seeds, there are potentiali- potentiali- potentialities for bringing forth a greater good. The love of God is always available to us to express more fully as we become available to it, as we remember how it is that we can most easily access that. So, um, Reverend Christina and I have been challenging ourselves and actually challenging you too to start thinking about how it is, what lessons we've learned, what are the blessings that can be sort of mined out of this last year. And there's a, there's a questionnaire online that we invite you to sort of take a look at. You can go to the website and access it pretty easily. I want to speak to a few of those. We've had a few responses so far. But specifically, today I'm going to be looking at the blessings or the lessons that we have learned out of conflict. Because certainly the last year has demonstrated for us on a whole lot of levels, um, conflict politically, conflict um, I live alone, so I don't particularly have this one, but I know that the uh, the intensity of togetherness in a family um, has all sorts of potential for different points of view to arise. And I know that that has been an adjustment and there may be some lessons that have learned in that regard. Um, in the upcoming weeks, we'll be looking at not only conflict, but we'll be looking at what we have learned about grief and moving through this time of loss, what we have learned about Um, Fear, certainly we've had to confront some fears, to deal with fears, to be present to some pretty scary situations over the course of this last year. And also what we've learned about injustice and, and what is the nature of injustice and what's the truth that sort of underlies it b- beneath that. From our unity perspective, what is the greater truth that's willing to emerge out of all those? And so I invite you, if you haven't already, to check the website and just, um, it's a good spiritual practice this week. Just run through those questions and start to consider for yourself what lessons you can take out of this, this past year of pandemic and, and have that be sort of... Um, maybe some spiritual intentions that you can bring forward as you move forward in your own journey, some strengths that you have developed as, as you've moved into those. Um, one of the, as I started to think about this, one of the and I know you're gonna be very familiar with this story, but I think it's a beautiful representation from our master teacher. We look at Jesus in unity as the sort of the model for whom we want to emulate our own lives. And there is one situation in particular that is used to teach in so many realms, But um, as I'm looking at how we see conflict reflected in the Bible and how we overcome that conflict, um, this story in particular is is wonderful. Reverend Christina is going to share from the Gospel of John in just a minute, but I want to give you a little bit of a backup, sort of the, the, the pretext to this story that sort of sets up the level of conflict that Jesus was facing as he was in the midst of this situation. So he had been traveling around. It was shortly after he had healed someone on the Sabbath, which in Jewish Mosaic law was against the rules. And so there was a lot of conflict around Jesus. There were people who thought that he was a Messiah, that he was a prophet. And there were other people who indeed wanted him killed. And so Jesus had just been to a festival and was sort of speaking and teaching to some. But leaving that festival, there was all of this sort of mixed energy, this sort of roiling energy around him about what to do next. And in particular, Pharisees and Sadducees, the, you know, sort of the officials of the Jewish church, the upholders of Jewish law, had sort of an ax to grind. And so that's sort of the context that we see emerging when this story unfolds. So I'm going to turn it over to Reverend Christina now to read from John chapter 8. I think she's reading verses 1 through 11. Good morning. Oh, wow. So, hmm. then he went home while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives Early in the morning, Again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and to the teach them. The scribes brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, the Teacher, the woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, in the Moses commanded us to such Now what did they, they said that him so that they may have some charge to bring against him well jesus bent down with his finger on the ground when they kept questioning him he straightened up and said to them let anyone who is among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone and once again he bent down and wrote on the ground when they heard it They went away one by one, beginning with the elders, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way. And from now on, do not sin again. Christina. By the way, I love your background. Very nice. <laughs> um, and I don't know, at our end, there was a little bit of garbled at the beginning of the sound. Not sure what that was, but it was fine at the end. But just as sort of a recap, this is a story that most of you will be very familiar with. It's the woman caught in adultery. And what I'm wanting to look at is in the face of that conflict, you know, there was conflict going on uh, between the, the the Jewish law keepers, the Pharisees, who are wanting to set Jesus up. Uh, make a case against him so they could literally kill him. That was their intention. So there's that conflict going on. Then there's the conflict between the crowd who was... um being sort of incited to stone the woman caught in adultery. So there's lots, of, there's lots of really intense energy surrounding Jesus in this moment. And what I would like us to pay attention to is how Jesus responded, right? Because that's, that's what we can take from our own understanding and, and sort of in dealing with contact. And Paul, I'm going to ask you to come up here and maybe man the camera. or just I won't, I'm going to test our camera work abilities because I'm going to sort of... Um, Try by example what we see Jesus doing. The first thing, he is in the middle of this kind of controversy, right? And the first thing Jesus does is he totally disengages from the drama that's happening, right? There's this crowd who's wanting to stone them. There's the Pharisees sort of outlining a law and, teacher, what are you going to do about it? And Jesus totally removes himself from that level of conversation. And what he does is he grounds himself. He leans down on the ground and literally starts drawing in the sand. Right? That's, that's the first clue how we deal with conflict. That's one of the first places that we can begin to have a different relationship with it. Yes? Um, remove yourself from that energy, from the intensity of that energy, from the who said what to whom, and what did they do, and whose fault was it, and that's all drama that's just going to perpetuate itself. So when we're involved in those kind of conflicts, the first piece we do is pull back from it. Remove ourselves from that level of the interaction and ground yourselves. I, um, my grandmother lived to be 103 and when I talked to her about sort of how it is that she made it to 103 in the, in the um, sort of the frame of mind and the graceful way that she did, she said, you gotta get your hands in the dirt. She did it every day that she possibly could. She had her hands in the dirt. Um, there really is something beautifully grounding about being and whether it's like physically hands in dirt or just outside um, enjoying the beautiful nature and the seasons that Bobby just sang about. Right? ground ourselves in the natural world in a way that we can sort of remove ourselves out of that intense energy that happens when we're facing conflict. That's the first piece, right? Then the next thing is again, Jesus was not at all concerned with who did what to whom and why and where. That wasn't part of the story at all. Those are not questions that are fruitful for us if we're going to move out of that conflict energy and into a space of creating greater connection and greater peace and harmony, right? Remove yourself from those questions. Instead, what he does is he turns it around and makes it a reflective question, right? That what's, what's implicit in his coaching to let ye who has without sin cast the first stone, it sort of turns all of the outward energy back in. Like, oh man, yeah, he might have a point there. <laughs> uh, I, it's not me. I'm not the one that's gonna be able to cast the first stone. You know, and maybe I still want it to happen and I'm looking around to see if Joe's gonna go. But eventually, all of that energy sort of dissipates and we can step out of that energy and, and move into a place of peace, right? The conflict is eliminated as we can um, remove ourselves from um, that, that the drama of the constant sort of murmur around us and just be present to, okay, what's really going on for me within this situation? What is it, what's my truth in this situation? And it completely changes the perspective as we see in the story. Um, it's also true for the woman who was accused, right? The the woman caught in adultery. Jesus doesn't go there either. Who were you with? When was it? Why'd you do it? None of that was any of his He, he didn't even concern himself with a bit of the detail. He simply says to her, "Has anyone who who among who among your accusers is condemning you?" And he says he doesn't either, right? Go and sin no more. It's Again, it's the same thing. He turns the question around, so it's not about being a victim of this vigilante crowd, and it's about, all right, what behaviors am I going to change? How am I going to show up differently in my life moving forward? When we're facing that kind of um, drama and intensity and conflict, that's a really useful practice, right? To remove ourselves from the questions that keep perpetuating that swirl of, of, either it's a victim kind of mentality, so that, you know, someone is pushing against me and fighting against me, or if we're on the other side of it and we're in the accusatory sort of, um, pull back and move from within to a greater, from, to a, for a greater capacity to be aware of, of the, the potential for greater good that's around us, right? Take ourselves out of the story, return to an awareness of the presence within us and then move forward from a whole different level of consciousness. It's a huge blessing. So, last week, I said something that generated a little bit of conflict, uh, and so I'm going to try and practice what I preach here. Last week, as I mentioned, uh, most of you are aware that in our Right and Perfect Home process, the building has been on the market. Um, we have been entertaining offers. Um, we have retained a lawyer now, an attorney, who is going to help us in those negotiations. And I suggested that as we move forward in that if, as we move toward a sale that I saw for us Unity on the North Shore as setting aside a portion of that, a tithing portion of that, um, and giving to the greater community, right? Out of the proceeds of the sale. Okay, so I want to back down a little bit. Um, I'm removing the word tithe. I'm retracting that word. I got some coaching from a, from a colleague who's been through this as well. And what I would like to suggest is that we begin to think about giving an intentional gift. See, the problem with tithe is it moves us, that word tithe, that means 10%, and moves us into the drama. It moves us into the story. Wait a minute, are we tithing on, what are the numbers? Are we tithing on this much? Are we going to deduct that much? It it becomes an intellectual thing when the intention of this gift is to come from heart and spirit, right? So I'm backing out of the word tithe. (laughs) But what I do want to begin is a conversation um, whereby we can begin to think about how we can live our principles of abundance, of prosperity, of harmony, and demonstrate those in a beautiful way out of the, out of the proceeds that we might get from this sale. Um, and I also want to be very clear in articulating that the board and I had a special meeting about this once the conflict kind of arose. And this isn't me or the board wanting to dictate what's going to happen with this money. It's not our money to make that choice with. Um, in fact, it's, it's God's money, actually, if you think about it. Um, and so, as a community, we will create a process whereby we will be able to decide the details, right? We'll move through a process of really getting in touch with our own level of prosperity consciousness, of being mindful of, of uh, what the next steps are for us as we move through this sale process or acquiring a new property or whatever the outcome ends up being. But the thing is, we have plenty of time to get there. This isn't a decision that's being made here and now. This is a a topic I'm bringing up so that we can begin to hold in our hearts the kind of generous spirit and the abundant actions that we want to take that's going to attract to us the kind of next step that we know is going to be in our highest and best interest and in the highest and best interest of the folks here in Evanston, in the community, in our neighbors. Um, We want this sale to be something that blesses all. And the way that we live that out, we embody that, is to move out of sort of the chatter that happens in conflict and into a space where we can be grounded and fully present to engaging that conversation in a powerful way that comes out of an awareness of truth and not an awareness of lack or fear. Yes? that clear? So what I'd like to do in sort of closing is to share with you um, five questions You know, reporters go for who, what, where, why, and when. That, in my mind, is what increases drama when we're in the middle of conflict. The five questions that I'm going to propose um, do what Jesus' question did, or what Jesus' coaching did to the crowd. They move it away from outer and move it into an inner reflective space so that what we're enhancing, where our attention and energy is flowing from is a desire to expand our own consciousness, our own ability to be channels through which transformation happens. So the first of those, if you're in a a situation, well, the first of those, you have to be self-aware enough to realize that I'm in conflict and I'm like fighting back, that I've got this thing going, right? You have to be aware enough of your own sort of emotional well-being. to. So that's the first step, like realize when I'm triggered. And once you're aware of that, then the first question to go to is what in this situation is a trigger for me? What is it about this scenario that has me so riled up? See, that's the internal question. Same kind of question that the crowd was asked when they said you, with, you without sin cast the first stone, right? What's the trigger for me? Why is this upsetting me so? Because that can lead to huge insights. Next question I would suggest is what's mine to learn in this situation? Now that I recognize that I got a trigger going, now that there's some, something in my heart that is coming from a space of either fear or, or lack or not understanding or separation, now that I've identified that, What's in this for me to learn? What's my lesson in this? The third one, and this is a little bit more advanced, is where's the blessing? This is the one that I think has the most juice to it, but it also requires really stepping out of the drama completely. You've got to be able to um, come from a space of really looking at from a completely different perspective of what's the potential for good here? What is the blessing that's mine to mine? Um, The next would be, Uh, What can I shift that will align me with that divine? What in my thinking? What in my behaving? What in my actions and my connections? What shift can I be making? This moves to the action step. What can I do to, uh, in the Jesus example, drop the stone, right? What shift can I make in my own thinking, believing, and behaving that will bring about a greater alignment with the truth that I know? And then lastly, Um, The fifth question I would would suggest is that what is the most loving response in the situation? How is it that I can come from that space where Jesus, so present to what was really a life-threatening situation for him in some ways and certainly for the woman caught in adultery, what is the most loving response? And it really is about sort of de-escalating all of the drama and the intensity of that drama so that we can be grounded in truth and know that there is a greater potential for love to prevail. What's the most loving response? All right, so if you're taking notes, the five W's that I'm suggesting are what in this situation is triggering me? What can I learn? What is the blessing? What shift can I make that aligns me with the good? And lastly, what's the most loving response in this situation? So what I'd like to do now is move into a time of meditation where we can open our hearts to whatever insight spirit might be holding us around living into and and holding conflict in a way that actually brings about greater good. So as we rest a bit more deeply in this beautiful energy, this energy of silence, I invite you to first focus on your breath. Just find a space of expansions you're here present with us this morning by divine appointment you have set an intention to be present to that most high presence and power that is the source of all good and so in this time of silence of quiet reflection God speaks your intention to be here creates the receptivity for you to be able to hear with an open heart and an open mind. And I would invite you to remember that sometimes God speaks to us in different ways. For some, it's in a, a sense of a sensation. For some, it's in maybe just a message that you hear articulated. For some, it's just a flash of an idea. So I invite you as we move into this quiet time of silence to just be open to however it is that God speaks to you today and to be assured that there is a message here for you as you simply allow it and become fully receptive to whatever way it is, whatever manner it is, whatever experience it is that Spirit would reveal the speaking to you. In the silence, listen, hear, as the divine speaks to you in a language only you can understand. Precious Spirit, as we bring this time of silent reflection to a close, we're grateful. Grateful for whatever message we have received. Grateful for whatever message is yet to be revealed. Grateful for our awareness of your presence in every situation, in all things. So it is, and so we let it be. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. And if you'd like to support the ministries of Unity on the North Shore, you can text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 815-827-6052. Again, text GIVE to 815-827-6052 or visit us online and click the donate button www.unityns.org. You'll also find there a complete menu of offerings for sort of remote and distance learning through this time of sequestering. God bless you and again thanks for joining.